Merging heart and mind, we're ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, hi, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining me for Core Spirit. On this episode, I'm pleased to announce Dr. Gabriel Cousins is joining me as a featured guest. Dr. Cousins, uh, hello and welcome. Uh, Olga, I'm very happy to be on this show on Core Spirit because that's really the most important thing in the world is to reconnect at core, uh, to your spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Cousins. Okay. You received an uh, MD degree from Columbia Medical School in 1969. And four years later, you completed your psychiatry residency and uh, joined the yoga world. Why did you decide to cross uh, the borders of just the physical aspect of health uh, to a holistic approach? What was the reason? It, it, it's, I never saw it as just physical. It, to me, it was always uh, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. So evolution of my work to move into what I call first holistic psychiatry and then really holistic uh, medicine, that was before the term holistic existed. But people really, all their issues have multiple levels, multidimensional. Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. So I saw that to do the optimum healing, I had to address all those dimensions. Mm -hmm. So by 1973, that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And you're a holistic physician, homeopath, psychiatrist, family therapist, Ayurvedic practitioner, and the Chinese herbalist. You are a leading author of several spirituality and health books, speaker and spiritual leader. How do you manage to do uh, it all? Please share your secret of your energy. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting question about energy, because um, it's, but it's a way of thinking. Oh. It's a way of perceiving the world. It's a way of seeing the spark of the divine in on all levels. Like I don't separate spirit from physical. And that allows me to kind of work in the different worlds. I call it a Native American, because I'm also a Native American sun dancer, uh -huh. an eagle dancer, spirit dancer. Um, it's called walker between the worlds. So you, you're not part of any world, but you walk between all the worlds simultaneously. That, that's really the key. The energy is a mix of all those. So at age 77, approximately, okay, I'm not quite 77 yet. Um, I, on the physical plane, yesterday did 90 pull-ups. You know how you do pull-ups? You know pull-up is? Okay, and you know, 300 push-ups. In other words, you have to maintain things. So you eat really well and you exercise and that gives you the physical energy to do it. But the integration is what makes it all work. They're not separate. It's just a flow. 
walker between the world mm -hmm. in a flow is the best way to understand the, the king. So I can do all that, you know. Do you teach to That's walk key. between the worlds? Do I do you teach, teach that? Mm -hmm. At least to walk between the worlds. I, 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 I emphasize that in my teaching so people don't only focus on the one plane some people just focus on the spiritual plane some people just the physical plane but the key is it's a multi-dimensional experience of the world so i i definitely teach that that we want to become walker between the worlds it's a native american term but it it's uh but it it covers everything it's the best explanation Mm -hmm. uh, is, that, is that we're not really a member of any world, we aren't the body, we're not the mind, we're what, what is prior to the mind. You know, when you're in that position, you're a walker between the worlds. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And um, Dr. Cousins, uh, there is a theory that the wisdom of universe was uh, spread among different traditions. You carry three major lineage traditions. So you have uh, three parts of the whole which can give you an idea of what are the key messages to the humankind. In your point of view, what are they? Okay, well, the three traditions for me, just to understand, overlap because they're really uh, liberation traditions. Mm -hmm. So you have the yogic tradition, mm -hmm. uh, and we have the, I'm going to say, rabbinical uh, Torah tradition, and I also have the Native American great uh, uh, tradition, and, uh, and have achieved some understanding of that. So what's the one message that unifies it all? Mm -hmm. Is God dwells within you as you. God dwells within you as you. And everything is an aspect of the divine. So in the Native American, we say, Om Takiyawasan. Well, what does that mean? To all my relations. So who are your relations? It's not your aunts and uncles. It is the living planet. Mm -hmm. And to which one of uh, uh, these three traditions you uh, carry you tend to and why? They're not the truth. We exist prior to the truth. Uh, in other words, we exist prior to all religions. So they're all kind of a cosmic lie, but they all serve their purpose. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And so what all religions are not the truth. We're, we're prior. We're, di we're deeper than that. And what is the purpose of these religions? They guide us to get to the place where we can transcend them. Because you have to have a starting point. You have to have your basic morals and ethics. We have the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. we, which we call Ten Speakings. We have Yama and Niyamas, which is in the yoga tradition. Mm -hmm. We have the Buddhist Eightfold Path. They're all, they're all guidelines that can kind of get us centered 
so we can transcend. But you have to have a little uh, moral uh, structure. You have to have actually what we call a spiritual character mm -hmm. that you have to develop so you can hold the spiritual virtues is what they call it in yoga. Uh, what do you think? If uh, just following some ethical rules uh, could be a uh, sort of a religion, is religion just an ethical well, rules? Uh, part of it gives you the foundation that you can stand on to transcend. So you need morals and ethics to stabilize the ground you're walking on so you can transcend. To the higher awareness that's that's the purpose of that when we reach a higher awareness you don't there are no rules about because you're naturally doing the right thing that's the key so when you reach a certain point it becomes natural you naturally see God in all things you naturally are connected to your spirit you naturally act in a way that is uh, compassionate and loving and uh, be at one. Uh, once you get to a point where it's inside of you, then you don't need the the guide the the guidelines. Mm -hmm. but you need the guidelines to start with, so you transcend. So they're not quite the truth. And then the point is, if you just think about ethics as morals as religion, you never transcend. Mm. So within the yoga path or the Torah path, there is a transcendence built in. But at first, you've got to get the basics so you can transcend. People get into trouble by trying to transcend before they have the foundation to stand up. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they get all kinds of trouble. Now, let's imagine that one is at the beginning of his or her journey, uh, spiritual journey and uh, what would you advise to to such a beginner and why the most important thing is to keep showing up what nothing you... happens if you don't show up mm -hmm. what showing up means do the practices build your foundation uh, don't get discouraged uh, be um, persistent in that the second thing is what the teachers have said, don't dig 10 wells 10 feet deep because you never get very deep. Once you get clear what you're doing, dig one well 100 feet deep. Mm -hmm. In other words, once you're clear how you're going, go deep, don't just shop around. Mm. You, can, you could do it at the beginning just to get a little bit, you find what resonates. Well, this resonates. I like the teacher. People need teachers. It's, the role of a, a spiritual teacher is very important in the big picture. Once you find a, a spiritual teacher you resonate with and they can elevate you, that's good. Then you have to go deep into that, how that works for you. So keep showing up is the key. Keep showing up. Be persistent, okay? and dig your well 100 feet deep, one well, rather than 10 wells 10 feet deep, because you never get close to where you're going. That would be what I would say. Thank you. 
And uh, in your book, uh, Creating Peace by Being Peace, you call to wake up from uh, the herd mentality and to move uh, beyond uh, dualism and become in our eating, in our living and in our sexuality, the unity. And uh, what, what should I do to wake up? What should be my first step or a key action? Create a life that doesn't put you to sleep. <laughs> to wake Get it. Okay. So the the choice to create a, a an awakening life, okay, is one first has to be awake enough to know that the light of God dwells within you as you and in all creation. The key, but the first thing is you have to wake up to feel that spark. What's going on today is people are losing their connection with that spark of the divine in themselves and that's causing problem so the the probably the main thing i do as a spiritual teacher besides talking is helping people wake up that <clears throat> divine spark within themselves so they can experience it what are the risks for those who choose conscious life um, you said uh, that we should connect to God or to nothing. Uh, this is one of dharma, and uh, perhaps one of uh, the risks uh, is uh, um, connect to nothing. I mean, people can uh, can have a fear to connect to nothing and become nothing. What do you think? What are the risks? Well, in the end, there's no risk, but there is fear. And the fear is losing, it's a, it's a fear generated by the ego. Because the truth of who we are is one with all things. And then ultimately, prior to time and space is the nothing. So once people experience moving into nothing and moving back out of that, they see it's all safe and it's good. So I teach a course called the zero point that people have a desire and resist for God. The resistance is the fear of losing yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the key. That's what the question And the way I help people with that, because it's real. It happens to almost everybody, okay, at some point in their life, is... Uh, support people through it to know, hey, even if you do go into the, you're going to come back, everything's going to be fine, except you'll be better. You'll be more turned on. You'll be having more joyful life. You're just going to be happier because spirituality is fun. And you don't lose yourself. You, But, but what happens is the ego doesn't want, see, the ego in most people is in charge of consciousness. What we're doing is saying, no, put consciousness in charge of the ego. The mm -hmm. ego should be in service to consciousness. Then everything's fine. But the ego struggles and creates fear. Oh, no, 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 I, I want to be in charge. No, you're not in charge. Ego is not in charge. It's serving consciousness. 
And that's why we focus on a healthy body, a healthy mind, people strong, people being vital. But it has to be in service of consciousness, not the other way around. Otherwise, it's your body is your ego. Does that make sense what I'm saying here? Yes. So we're flipping it. So consciousness got ego, not ego guides consciousness. And that's the key. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. That's a, the, the key struggle because then you don't have, there's nothing to be afraid of. Everything is improved. Everything's better. And it's also more fun. That's mm -hmm. key. Got to have a good time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, and um, my uh, next question was about uh, spirituality in business, if it's uh, possible, but uh, previously you said that uh, this is our fourth dharma, uh, to earn money to stay spiritual, yeah. right? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but so one, you one, should... point, one point, your dharma, your dharma should be that that elevates you spiritually. So you have to earn money, arta. But it, it, right livelihood, it, it has to be, whatever business you're doing, has to be something that elevates you spiritually. Mm -hmm. So there's two pieces. That's part of it. You have to support yourself. But the Dharma, right livelihood, is something that elevates you spiritually in the very action of doing it. In every action. So there's two pieces. So if you're doing a job that you don't like, that you're not happy with, it doesn't elevate you spiritually, that's the wrong business to be in. Okay. It, it, the right business is something that elevates you spiritually, even if, and you always get enough money to get by with it, you see, when you're doing the right thing. Okay. So it makes sense. <laughs> um, right. And uh, you seem to be a peaceful creature, a loving partner, and a, and a successful person at the same time. And um, how did you find this harmony? What is your advice for those who lost it? And, and it's really important what you just said, for those who've lost it. Because a lot of people in the world are losing it okay and then they do things that aren't so good to try to feel alive but this approach makes you feel so if we start with everything everything in my life that I'm gonna do is about deepening my contact with the divine and everything falls in line you know so you don't think about success you think about being in harmony uh, activating the spark of God in all creation, including yourself. And then all these other pieces come into place. That's got to be the main goal, main concern, and then everything comes into place after that. So if you're in a relationship, fine. We're going to do relationship as a spiritual path. So we teach sacred relationship, which is how do people come together to elevate each other spiritually. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everything becomes the same point. So not to the environment, how to live in a way that elevates your awareness of the divine. So no That's how it happens. It doesn't happen the other way. It 
doesn't happen the other way. It happens from the core, and then everything else falls into place. Okay, so no matter what is uh, the door one uh, opens, uh, is it uh, either relationships or uh, partnership or uh, health or some or business or success uh, uh, a door to conscious life? So it's no matter what is uh, the door for. Uh, sp spiritual mindset to become spiritual, right? Absolutely correct. That is correct, and 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 so that's why I don't don't think about success. It's not it's not even my mind. It's how do we serve? How do we bring the word out to the world? How do we wake people up? Because that's my dharma. Okay. But whatever happens from that happens. From but I'm not, not thinking about success. I'm not thinking about relationship, but it's part of my life. We're going to focus on sacred relationship. That's just part of it. So everything is feeding into how do we wake up and stay awake and uh, activate the divine in every moment. Okay. Thank you. And... Um... Uh, the Harper's Magazine called you a Tree of Life Center, one of the world's best in yoga and detoxification retreats. Do you have an idea why? Um, it's because we really teach holistic. Uh, many detox places focus on detox. If we fast, we don't say fasting. Like we have a fast in, in Israel now. We, we don't call it fasting. We call it spiritual fasting. So everything is about this um, integration of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. It's all about that integration. That's why, that's what made that happen. You know, we don't you know, have the prettiest buildings. We don't, I mean, we, our setting is in the mountains. We're 4,000 feet up. Part of the connection here is we are at, you know, very much in the country. We live in a town of 900 people, and we're kind of set aside. But the integration of all those things is what they're talking That's what they sensed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. So that's why they... Thank you. Uh, in your book, uh, Spiritual uh, Nutrition, you say that a diet has an impact on spirituality. What kind of impact? Well, first, you can't eat your way to God. You cannot eat your way to God. Now, some people get caught in the material plane and somehow the diet becomes the most important thing. That's not what the teaching is. The teaching is how to eat in a way that you become a superconductor of, of the divine to support the overall divine flow in your life. Okay, that's the key concept. The, the key then, what we know uh, is that, and we use that what we call in India, uh, nadis, what we call it which are the subtle energetic channels. There's 72,000 of them. 
and there's three main ones, Ida Pangawa and Shishimna, and the central one is the, the central channel called Shishimna, where the Kundalini flows. Mm -hmm. So meat, fish, chicken, dairy, block the flow of the Kundalini. Mm -hmm. That's simple. You know? Anything is going to block the flow of the Kundalini. Now the second thing is, when you kill or exploit an animal, meat, fish, chicken, and dairy, and eggs, okay, you, the energy you're taking in their death. So one of my two spiritual teachers, Swami Prakash Nanda, said, when you kill an animal, you create fear, misery, and pain, and death. And when you eat that animal, you take that fear, pain, misery, and death into you, which causes disease and misery. Mm. That's the key. Uh, so we don't want to do that. And so we have layers of the body. We also have layers of the mind. Mm -hmm. We call them koshas. And so when we're eating these things, we're taking death into our mind. So that's why we have a vegan diet as a base. And then the live food is the most powerful healing factor so that you're more likely to become a superconductor of the, of the divine. Uh, and that's key. And then constitution we have to eat according to our constitution there's no one diet for everybody mm. we're not cows we don't just grass mm -hmm. okay yeah. so the, that is, yeah. uh, so uh, you say that uh, if we um, if we accept this eating uh, meat or fish or eggs we uh, we can have diseases and die. And in case we eat uh, vegan food, uh, can we uh, live uh, eternally then? Well, the research doesn't suggest that. You know, Adam in the Torah tradition was meant to live a thousand years. So, uh, and that was a live food vegan diet. The Garden of Eden diet was live food vegan. But what the research does show is people do live longer because we have a lot more going on in our world than just our food. You know, we have chemtrails, we have radiation, we have lots of things happening. So what we know is that vegan men uh, live about seven years longer, and vegan women live about 4.4 years longer. So we, we can live longer and healthier uh, and have more vitality, but it doesn't make us eternal. Mm -hmm. And what do you think, uh, can people, uh, do people have uh, potential to live uh, eternally? Um, it's, it's not exactly a goal. See, that's a very physically oriented, and that's like the transhumanist thinking. The goal for my, in my world is to know God and merge with God. Mm -hmm. So the goal isn't to live 
in the physical body eternally. That actually may get in your way of spiritual evolution. Because maybe we go to another plane and then we go another plane after that and we go another plane after that. The, the idea is that there are many uh, planes of existence. So if you want to live eternally in the physical body, you're, you're stuck here. And that may, in the big spiritual picture, which we don't know so much, may actually block your spiritual unfoldment back into ultimately the one permanently. So what we can say is the, the point of being on the physical plane is to wake up and know God and to become liberated. After that, what's the point of being here? Well, you got to do teaching, you got to do this, but... In other words, the goal isn't to just stay in a physical form, mm. spiritual point of view. Okay, thank you. And uh, do you think uh, diseases have spiritual causes? Yes. And uh, diseases have physical causes, lifestyle causes, emotional causes, mental causes and spiritual causes from a holistic physician point of view okay i look at all those levels and see where to start what's the best way to start to help this person heal it may be spiritual it may be physical it may be emotional in other words they're all approach it i try to find the best way to help activate a person's system if they're if they're not in balance uh -huh. so i don't just say go with spiritual first go with physical first i look at the whole picture and then make a decision what's the best way to uh, help this person mm -hmm. so in case uh finding uh, uh the causes either physical or emotional or spiritual uh, one can get better physically, right? Yes. Okay. And, and where you start from, where you start from depends on where they have the biggest imbalance. Is it a spiritual imbalance? That's where we start. Is it physical? Change your diet? That's where we start. Okay. And how do you understand what causes uh, a, a disease? Well, a disease is a state of disharmony. It's a state of chaos in the system. Health is harmony and alignment in the system. So diseases caused by, as a result of chaos in the system. And then once you see, well, where is this chaos coming from? That's how you address it to bring order back into the system. Mm -hmm. So you're like a detective, uh, you find? Yes. Because a cosmic, a cosmic, a cosmic detective. <laughs> a cosmic detective. <laughs> um, so you ask questions, some special questions, or you have your um, like inner knowledge of what is going on with the person 
what are the causes? What is your uh, like approach as a cosmic detective? How do you understand the causes? Yeah. I work on all levels. So I have an interview. Mm -hmm. It may take an hour just talking. And I have a 33-page questionnaire, and we talk and we discuss. And then at the same time, my inner uh, awareness is being activated. So then I, I get a pretty clear feeling about what's, what are the levels and what's going on. Mm -hmm. But you have to listen to people. Uh, so uh, my initial visit uh, is like two and a half hours. Mm. Um, and at least an hour is listening and interviewing. God, mm -hmm. to really understand somebody. Mm -hmm. And uh, can one uh, get over spiritual um, problems by changing his or her diet? It is definitely possible. Because if you're not healthy, then it throws everything else out of balance. So there's a teaching, there's a, there was a great medieval physician, Moses Maimonides from Spain, uh, who eventually was the chief physician for the Pharaoh, actually, uh, the, the king of Egypt. And what he taught is that a small hole in the body can create a big hole in the soul. Mm -hmm. So you have to take the physical, and when you heal that, it can heal the soul level as well, because everything is connected. Mm. Uh, what is uh, the best cure for, for the soul? That's a good question. The, the best cure for the soul is to know that you are the spark of the divine and to activate that spark into a flame of the divine. So inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about uh, diabetes. You are a world-leading diabetes expert, and why did you decide to dedicate your life to find a cure uh, for diabetes? I, I actually never decided to find a cure. I, I already knew the cure. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, thinking multidimensionally, I was looking for something to focus on that would really help all humanity. Diabetes is a lifestyle. Mm. There's a lifestyle that you lead to type 2 diabetes. It's worldwide. Over 400 million people have diabetes. There's somebody dying of diabetes every 10 seconds. So it's a worldwide problem. Presently, I have about 100 programs around the world that have to do with diabetes prevention, uh, what we call food um, sovereignty, growing organic, organic food, wherever we are, whether it's Africa, Brazil, it doesn't matter, um, or Mexico, and water sovereignty. 
you have to have clean water. So we're working all around the world to give people sovereignty over their food and their water, which is key to curing diabetes. So I picked something that had major humanitarian and social implications. Uh, for example, uh, with the Native American world, as, as I explained, I'm a Native American sun dancer, an eagle dancer, spirit dancer, old ghost dance, what they call it. And 90% of Native Americans have diabetes. Okay. So it gives me a way of supporting the whole Native American community. There's over, we're working with 238 different tribes. It's a lot of tribes. But they all have a problem with diabetes. So diabetes, uh, the cure is easy. It's about diet and lifestyle. And it's about loving yourself enough to want to heal yourself. Mm, that's that's it. But Love yourself. Left, <laughs> but no, nobody enough to want to heal love, how to love uh, one uh, how to love uh, oneself you know uh, everybody says love yourself and how to do this the way you do it is the getting in touch with the inner light which creates what I call non-causal love so you naturally love yourself because you're in touch with the truth of who you are and that naturally releases get you in touch with non-causal love from within not without it doesn't depend on a relationship it doesn't depend on people liking you it depends on your connection with that spark of the divine within yourself so there's no cause non-causal love that's how it happens it, that that it's more permanent if it depends on a relationship for you to feel good that can come and go but when you're in touch with that inner light, it's always there. So that's how you love yourself. It's a natural thing that happens. Does that answer that, that question? Uh, yeah. And so any of the, the work about diabetes, the work about diabetes is not, not just that we have a cure. Yes, we can heal diabetes with diet. And that's good. No special medicines needed. Yes, we have herbs and different things, but no special medicine is needed. And then we have prevention programs around the world. So it's a social uh, action, a humanitarian action, and affects millions of people. It's not a unique, rare disease. So that's how I kind of got into it. And I've been working on it and knowing about it since 1973. So we didn't really begin these official diabetes programs uh, as groups until 2007. So that's kind of, that's how it works, if that makes sense. Uh, and my, you know, right now we, we've changed a little bit here at the tree and I'm focusing, we do uh, several meditation retreats a year, uh, meditating three hours a day and Shakti pot three times a day uh, and a little zero point type stuff. Fasting retreats, which we used to do here. Now we do in Israel and a little bit in Brazil. Uh, but the point I'm making is that we're really focusing on the humanitarian programs. 
How do we get people around the world to wake up to move back to an organic, veganic diet? We're teaching organic, veganic farming. Does that make sense what I'm saying? We're, 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 gonna, we're using electric tractors, not gasoline. So we're bringing ecology in. We're doing lots of things. So diabetes opens up a door for multiple, multiple things because it's about a lifestyle. You earn diabetes. You don't get diabetes. It doesn't get you. It's not like uh, getting the smallpox or something like that. You know, it, it, you earn it by your lifestyle. So we're teaching a lifestyle that will transform the world. And you, you say that, do I understand it right, that uh, two, main, um, uh, two main causes for diabetes are uh, lifestyle and uh, the lack of love to oneself, right? Yes, the lifestyle, part of the big part of the lifestyle is 100% vegan and at least 80% live food cures and prevents diabetes. Even if you have a genetic tendency to get diabetes. Okay. And then you have to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, you're not motivated to live that way. You're not motivated to change your life. People who are depressed have a three to four times higher rate of getting diabetes and also heart attacks mm. if you're depressed. Three to four. If a person has a major, uh, say, depressive episode, within a year, depending on the study, 62 to 82% of them will develop diabetes. And that's at Johns Hopkins and Kaiser Hospital where they did the research. So basically what I'm saying is your emotional state can set off diabetes. Diabetes can also set off depression because many people with diabetes become depressed and also decrease their mental function. We are talking about uh, um, food uh, for uh, body um, and you say that vegan diet or, or organic food is... Uh, is the best uh, for a human, and what is the best food uh, for soul? Okay, so you know the people argue about what the best diet is, right? People are meat eaters, and that's the best. You know, uh, so first we have to get that uh, everyone's constitution is different, and. 70% of the people need more protein, which you can easily get in today's world, and 30% need less protein, okay? So, and 99% of my uh, clients are successful on a 100% vegan, at least 80% live food diet because they make it to their constitution. I'll get to your, so, so that's the basis. So. Neither vegans or mediators are right. We have to eat according to the Constitution, but we also have to eat according to a way to support our soul. The way we support our soul is have a diet that activates and helps the Kundalini flow and live a lifestyle that feeds the soul. So what feeds the soul? It's the Dharma, the natural living, which includes 
that diet, and we're not taking death in. Death really gets in a problem. It's a problem. So death, misery, and pain does not feed the soul. Uh, meat blocks the flow of Kundalini. So, uh, which which is energy, what I call it, the hand of God that takes you to the heart of God. Okay, it's like a big deal. <clears throat> so we need all of those things to feed the soul. Is that we have to have a part of what feeds the soul is there has to be a flow of energy that's unbroken. Uh-huh. And so we need a diet towards the spiritual energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what feeds the soul on that level. And that diet is one that doesn't have death in it. So it's, it's a plant source only diet. Because we have poisons in the environment, so we want to minimize those. That's the second thing it needs to be. And then uh, the more raw can be, the more energy in the diet. And all that works at the lower levels of the soul to kind of support the higher levels of the soul. In uh, the Torah tradition, there's five levels of soul. So you have the physical body soul, what we call nefesh, I won't go through all that. It's a little technical, but the point is there's lower soul parts and higher soul parts and parts of the soul that connect you to the, the divine. And so we have to have a flow of energy going, and so we need a really good diet to do that. And the sanatna dharma, the natural way of living that connects you to lead to liberation also connects you and keeps connecting you to your soul. That's the best food. That's the best way to feed the soul. You said that oh, people people should uh, eat according to their constitution. Uh, how can I understand what type of diet should I uh, follow um, according to my constitution? So, uh, do I need to, to have um, a session with a holistic doctor, or can I uh, um, can I understand it um, reading a book or? Uh, what are the ways? So well, there's a few pieces. The Ayurvedic system, which has been around like thousands of years, has nine different constitutions. And in my book, Conscious Eating, I give a questionnaire that you can fill out that gives you a hint. Okay? Okay. The other thing is, um, genetically, on chromosome 19, it says how much carbohydrate, how much protein, how much fat. And the key, as I said, 70% need a higher protein. Now, higher protein isn't a lot of protein. It's 70 grams. Lower protein is 35. So meat eating is way too high anyway. So, But still, some people need more than others. I also have a questionnaire on our website, drcousins.com, that you can figure that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hello. So those questionnaires really do help. So the questionnaires help uh, with an individual physician. You know, I'm also going to take Ayurvedic pulses. I'm going to take Chinese pulses. But those two questionnaires really are going to help most people get clear whether they need more or less protein and so forth. Okay. Um. Uh, Dr. Cousins, now I have several um, quick um, 
questions, I would ask you to answer uh, quick as well, not thinking a lot, okay? I'm asking uh, all the guests uh, these questions. So, how do I understand happiness? Happiness is a direct experience from within yourself. It is independent of the outside. Okay. You feel happy naturally. It's a natural state. Uh-huh. Okay. Is there anything in your life that you consider the most important? What is it? In my life? Yes. Life. Is there anything in my life? Okay. Yeah, it's a connection with God. There's nothing more important than the oneness connection with God, with things that non causal love, and non causal peace, and non causal harmony, and non causal compassion. This is from within. So that's it. That's the most important thing. That's why it doesn't matter how long you live, how young you are, or not young, because you can be vital at any age if you know what you're doing. Only thing that counts is your connection with God in my world for me. Okay. If some kind of a magician uh, could give you a choice to live eternally and uh, stay young forever, what would you say to this? It's a trap <laughs> because being eternal is it's not, it's not relevant to the point of life, which is no God, it evolves spiritually. Um, at age 77, I'm stronger than I was when I was 20. I'm more flexible. I can do literally 10 times more push-ups and pull-ups than I when I was a captain of an American football team at 20. So <laughs> being young doesn't matter. Being eternal doesn't matter. No, when I was captain and uh, what we call National Football Hall of Fame, that's a national, you know, pick. It's like being an All-American type thing. Uh, basically, I could do 70 push-ups. When I was 60, I could do 601 push-ups. Think about that. Wow. When I was playing football, I, could, I could, couldn't even get my hands to my knees. Now I can sit in full lotus and put my palms on the floor. So age doesn't matter. It's how you work on yourself. So really the trap is, hey, you don't want to be trapped in your physical body forever because there's other worlds, other places to go as part of our evolution. So why would you want to just focus on the material plane? So young, youthing, or doesn't matter. It's a trap. So I don't go for it, the trap. Okay, thank you. If you had an opportunity to send a message to humankind, what, what would you say? The most important thing we can do at this point in time is to live in a way, Sanatana Dharma, that helps us connect with the divine within us and the divine outside of us, both, okay? Sanatana Dharma, the natural way of living that leads us to liberation is the most important thing we can do in our lives. And everything has to be secondary to that. 
And only those people who are ready to hear that message are going to hear it and appreciate it. But that's okay. That's my message to humanity. I believe more people are waking up in the midst of the chaos that's being created in the world today. Mm -hmm. So wake up and enjoy the light and enjoy the love. <laughs> okay. And what would you say to God if a chance to meet face-to-face -face arose? Um, what I would say is, why are we in duality? <laughs> Please take me to the oneness with you. What do you think uh, he or she would answer? <laughs> There's no he or she. The answer would be yes. Let's merge. And we know our total oneness. Okay. Uh, Dr. Cousins, uh, thank you so much for your wisdom, uh, for your light, for your time. Uh, thank you. It was... Uh, okay, well, thank you for your... It was a very exciting experience to uh, ask you all these questions I... Uh, uh, I want to ask, and a lot of people want want to ask you. Uh, thank you. Well, I'm very pleased to work with you, Olga. I thank you for your excellent questions, really excellent. And I hope sometime in the next year we're going to make it to England, and I can, you know, do the Shaktipat in person with as many people as possible. So let's keep that in mind. But thank you for your good work in, in taking this to the world. It's really, really an important.